You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. I'm your host, John Bush, and today we have a wonderful program lined up for you. I'm going to be talking about this concept of anti-fragility, specifically how can we become more anti-fragile in our lives, and I'm going to relate that to a couple of news items that you might be familiar with that are going down right now, specifically this article all about declaring a uh, pandemic amnesty Um And then, of course, the news is coming out, some leaked information. Everybody already knew all this stuff, right? But apparently the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, and the Department of Homeland Security have been working hand-in-hand with social media companies in order to censor stories, in order to shape uh, public opinion, basically. So this should all be very alarming stuff. It's not anything new, uh, just stuff that we're all aware of. But I want to talk about how we can leverage this concept of anti-fragility in order to rise above it all, in order to change the game for ourselves. But before I do that, uh, I want to welcome the audience that's listening on Liberty Radio Network. Shout out to those guys over there at LRN.FM. Uh, Ian Freeman, of course, is a tireless activist for peace peace and freedom. And uh, he just let me know that we were going to be, because I'm doing the show more often, the Live Free Now show. There's also a podcast, of course. I'd love for you to download the podcast, check out the feed. But because we've been cranking this out, the plan is to go live every Tuesday. We'll probably hone in on an exact time here pretty soon. But for now, we're just fitting it in. You can expect that you'll hear from us on Tuesday. You know, coming up, I'm actually getting married. So, and then we're going on a honeymoon. Maybe I'll see if I could work something in, but the lovely uh, fiance would probably prefer that I don't. So we might take a week off or so. But again, you can expect to hear from us every Tuesday. Shout out to the audience at Liberty Radio Network. If you're not familiar with Liberty Radio Network and you're tuned in, I highly encourage you to check them out at Live, uh, sorry, LRN.FM, LRN.FM. And then I want you to go ahead and... Head on over to livefreenow.show, livefreenow.show. That is the official website of the Live Free Now podcast where you can uh, check us out and follow us. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Spotify, Apple, Google, or Stitcher. Again, that's livefreenow.show. All right, so let's get into the program today. Uh, Shout out if you're watching us live on YouTube or on Odyssey. Uh, shout out to Ken Ottinger, who's checking it out. Bonjour, Donnie Bo- Johnny Boy, Como Cava. I don't know what I don't know what Cava is. I know a little bit of Espanol. That didn't look like Espanol, though, kind of mixing in a couple languages. But thank you so much for watching, uh, Mr. Ken. So I want to talk about this concept of anti-fragility, becoming anti-fragile. And uh, you know, I learned about this term. I think this guy named Nassim Taleb actually is the one that originated the term. Uh, of course, fragility was always a thing. Uh, and I thought it was pretty cool when, when I learned about it. There's this great quote from this Nassim guy where he contrasts it 
uh, with being resilient. You know, so essentially anti being anti-fragile means when adversity comes your way, when hardship comes your way, when there's trouble, when there's struggles, not only do you overcome it, but it actually makes you stronger, right? And the book he authored is Anti-Fragile, Things That Gain From Disorder. It was written in 2012. This guy, uh, Nassim, is an investor. Uh, so it's awesome. So check it out. Here's a little quote from uh, his book. Again, the, the author is Nassim Taleb. Some things that benefit from shocks, they thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stressors, and love, adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Yet, in spite of the ubiquity of the phenomenon, there is no word for the exact opposite of fragile. Let us call it anti-fragile. Anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. This property is behind everything that has changed with time, evolution, culture, ideas, revolutions, political systems, technological innovation, cultural and economic success, corporate survival, good recipes, the rise of cities, cultures, legal systems, equatorial forests, bacterial resistance, even our own existence as a species on this planet. So anti-fragile. I appreciate this too, because we're actually organizing this town hall about what we were saying was food resiliency. Okay. So unless you are trapped in Plato's cave, uh, you're probably aware that there's a lot of food supply disruptions going on, some extreme inflation taking place, and a lot of people are really concerned, as we should be. So we've been working diligently uh, in the work that we do at Live Free Academy, putting on the Homestead and on a Budget Workshop, which is still available, by the way. You can purchase the replay at livefree.academy live slash budget. But we're hosting this event uh, with the one, the only Texas Slim of the Beef Initiative. They're working to help folks... Uh, create food resiliency, right? Uh, by linking up cattle ranchers and food producers and food consumers. So you cut out the middleman, you get the beef and the meat directly from the rancher. That's something that we're very keen on here at the Live Free Academy headquarters. Got a lot of meat eaters around these parts. But we're going to call this event. It's December 3rd. There'll be more details about it soon. Just going to tease you with it right now. Uh, it'll be a free event that you can watch online or you can buy a ticket to attend in person. We're going to serve some incredible local barbecue from some local cattle ranchers. But it was going to be called the Food Resiliency Town Hall and Empowerment Party. But now I think we're going to change the name to Food, food Anti-Fragility. And the whole name of the game is to become to put yourself in a position to master your mind. And I think this is a key element of being anti-fragile. I haven't read the book. I want to read the book, but I understand the concept and I live the concept. I'm very grateful that I have trained myself to become anti-fragile. And for me, it has to do with adopting a mindset, controlling your mind, controlling your thoughts so that when adversity comes your way, disorder, stress, tension, pain, anguish, hardship, you're able to leverage that adversity for growth. And really, I mean, I I don't think I would be able to make it like, I mean, I, I would still be alive, of course, but I don't think I would have, my mental health would be just absolutely terrible. The crazy stuff that I've been going through recently uh, in the past years, if it weren't for anti-fragility, if it weren't for the mindset that I've, put myself in, then I would be a total mess. 
it would hinder my success. It would hinder my ability to be a, a good father, be hinder, hinder my ability to be a good uh, partner to my lovely fiance. So anti-fragility, folks, it goes like this. Adversity comes along. You look adversity in the face. And in some instances, you're grateful for the adversity because it forces you to level up. Here's a great example. We're experiencing this whole great reset thing, right? This operation, this campaign to create a new world order 2.0, as I like to call it, uh, that's being carried out by the World Economic Forum. Not only that, but as we're going to talk about later with this pandemic uh, amnesty article, uh, we just experienced like a major trauma, a psychological operation uh, uh, with all these lockdowns and this COVID nonsense and all this shot clot shot craziness, right? And as we're going to talk about, actually, we're going to cover this Intercept article, uh, leaked document outlines Department of Homeland Security's plans to police disinformation. We're going to talk about that in, in the context of, along with this, let's declare a pandemic amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. Give me a freaking break. We're going to break all that down, but check it out. All this crazy stuff happened. And what I'm witnessing, what I choose to focus on, what I choose to be a part of, what I choose to assist in the manifestation of is the anti-fragility of our freedom, truth, health, freedom community. I see it. There's a lot of people that were aware of some of the problems. They're aware of the conspiratorial view of history, but they weren't really motivated to act, to, to get active, to become proactive in the creation of a better world, in the protection of themselves in the leveling up of the growing their own food, linking up with freedom communities, right? But because of this, the pandemic response and these authoritarian policies was a big eye-opener for people and it forced them to grow. It forced them to level up. That is the essence of anti-fragility. For example, the Freedom Cell Network, I'm representing the shirt here today, the Freedom Cell Network this is a concept I came up with back in 2014, 2015, partner with old Derek Bros. He helped to spread it. It turned into this global network. Before COVID, there was about a thousand people signed up on the website, freedomcells.org, which you can register for free and join a movement of over 34,000 freedom lovers actively creating more freedom in their lives, focused on solutions. Before COVID, BC, uh, there was like a thousand AC after COVID. Like I just said, there's like 34,000. Wow. What a dramatic increase to me. That's an example of anti-fragility for our movement and for our community. I mean, come on, this is nuts. Here's another example of my personal life. Ah, I mean, I'm going through this divorce that just won't ever stop. And it started, I don't know, 2015, 20, no, 2017, right? We separated. I got two kids. And it's through this process that I've been forced to level up as a father, as a provider, uh, and in turn as an entrepreneur in order to improve my kids' quality of life, right? So you have this terrible adverse event, a contentious divorce involving children and the family courts. What a nightmare. It could crush people. In fact, I was part of this divorced dads group on Facebook. I still am a couple different divorced dads groups. And it's like, if there's anything to describe these groups, a lot of times it's woe is me. And there's just so much depression and people uh, failing to take responsibility for the role that they've played in the failure of a relationship. And just this whole victim mindset is so prevalent. Every once in a while, there's a rare gem where somebody like really is like, we need to put our big boy pants on and 
take this as an opportunity to grow and show up better for our kids, yada, yada, yada. But nonetheless, I seize the opportunity to become the best version of myself. And as this divorce rears its ugly head time and time again, because I've programmed my mind to leverage adversity for growth, to look at it as manure, like Thich Nhat Hanh describes the Buddhist monk, he says, you need to have manure in order for a beautiful lotus flower to bloom. And that's the mindset that I've adopted. That's why Live Free Academy, the business I run, helping people create more freedom in their lives. You can sign up for our free email newsletter, by the way, at livefree.academy slash email, livefree.academy slash email. That's why we bang on the mindset piece so much. Mindset is so fundamentally important. We got this Live Free Academy empowerment framework uh, that we teach people so they can find success in the various areas that we cover. It has to do with mindset, coming up with a strategy, working with a team or a community, and taking massive action. But the mindset piece is first. We need people to step out of the victim mindset and into a space of empowerment because life is going to be difficult and challenging at times. But it's how we handle, how we choose to handle the challenges, that's what builds the character that we have, the character that we have, and that's what creates the life that we enjoy. So crap happens and you can choose how to respond to it. In fact, there's this incredible, incredible teaching that I learned at this conference I went to recently. Um, it's a framework, really. Let me see if I can dig this up for you guys, because this is a game changer. If you guys can apply this uh, and put it into play in your life, I mean, it's going to change the game for you. Here it is right here. Uh, it's the magic eight ball. Uh, who was it? The, let me see the woman that that threw it out there. Her name was not Tiffany Goyer. I'm not sure if that was her name, but check it out. This is what this is how it goes right here. And this is this for me. This is like a formula for anti-fragility. OK, formula for anti-fragility. Check it out. Our circumstances lead to our thoughts. The thoughts we have about the circumstances lead to our feelings, and it's our feelings that inform our actions, and the actions we take lead to the results we experience in life, right? Circumstances can trigger thoughts. The thoughts cause feelings. The feelings cause action, and the action causes results. And so this little model here, these circumstances... We don't have power over what happens to us. We do not have control over what happens to us, but we do have control over what we think about it and the meaning that we give to it. And depending on the meaning that we give to it, it completely informs the feelings that we experience in relation to the circumstances. And it's those feelings that then lead to actions or inaction. So if we're feeling all defeated. If we give something a meaning of woe is me, life is terrible, how could they do this to us? Then that's going to lead to feelings of overwhelm, insecurity, victimness, victimhood, right? But if you're like, wow, the example I always give is being alive in these times. We got this crazy, crazy technocracy being built around us and there's all this hardcore tyranny going on. And some of us choose to be victims and be victimized by that and say things like, I can't, I, 
I can't believe my children are going to be alive in these times and all the crazy stuff and these petty tyrants are harming us and harming us, right? So the circumstance being alive in a time of transition and transformation with these crazy tyranny being implemented in technocracy, surveillance society, central bank digital currencies, social credit scores, vaccine passports, all the stuff we see coming out of China. So you people can choose to give that a meaning of, I'm a victim, we're totally screwed, I'm depressed about it, and blah, 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 blah. Or you can choose to be an empowered person and give it the meaning of, I was put on this earth during this particular time to make a difference and to play an active role in the transformation of society. Maybe it's even just my little community, but let us just burst with so much sunshine and love and power that we create ripples that ripple into the future for the future generations to come. That's the meaning I choose to give to the circumstances that I find myself in. And I tell you what, it has, created a world of difference in the quality of life that I enjoy in the, in the freedom and prosperity that I experience. So I want to invite you to be an empowered person. I want to encourage you to leverage this framework uh, that anybody can tap into. It's a total game changer. You're going to absolutely love it. Let me share a link right here in the chat uh, with with a little bit more about all that stuff. Because I, like I said, it's a total, total game changer. It's called the model. Self-coaching model guide. The model framework. This must be the woman that actually put it together. I'll share that there in the chat for you. For those of you that are tuning in live, I want to thank you for tuning in live. All right, now let's let's check out a couple uh, news headlines, of course. I'm going to relate it uh, for you as well. Uh, to these two stories. I'm going to relate it to this empowerment idea and relate it to this concept of anti-fragility. It'll make a world of difference for you. I promise. I guarantee it. Game-changing stuff. Okay, so check it out. Let's uh, cover this article first. This, I mean, I can't even believe it. This is nuts. Actually, I can believe it. What do I mean I can't believe it? It's an article from The Intercept. They do a lot of work and break a lot of solid stories. So check it out. Uh, the Truth Cops leaked document outlines Department of Homeland Security's plans to police disinformation. God. Oh, it, this is all going on behind the scenes. All this censor stuff was all contrived and all part of a bigger effort to control the public. The Department of Homeland Security is quietly broadening its efforts to curb speech it considers dangerous, an investigation by The Intercept has found. Years of internal DHS memos, emails, and documents obtained via leaks and an ongoing lawsuit, as well as public documents, illustrate an expansive effort by the agency to influence tech platforms. I just want to pause for a moment. I've been doing this conspiracy and freedom thing for 20 years now, so I was around. I woke up to the fact that 9-11 uh, was carried out by criminal elements operating from within our government, perhaps other foreign intelligence agencies as well. And I was awake, quote unquote, red-pilled for the creation of the Department of Homeland Security when this new agency was announced. And it was like, whoa, Department of Homeland Security, this is straight out of the Gazapo, the Gestapo. I can't even believe it. What are we doing? And then we got the Patriot Act coming about. Uh, we knew that the NSA was spying. The John Warner Defense Authorization Act got passed 
and it actually, I think it was 2007, it actually legalized the indefinite detention of American citizens, which was later utilized on somebody that was suspected of being a Al-Qaeda terrorist. And it's like, I, I watched all this come about with an awareness and a consciousness that was like, oh my goodness, we knew exactly what it was going to be used for. And even back then, these fusion center apparatuses, apparati, apparatuses, these fusion center institutions, this is a physical space more often than not that brings together local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies your police, your school district police, university police, local municipal police, the sheriff's department, uh, environmental protection agency, infrastructure protection, Department of Homeland Security, FBI. It, it was all under the umbrella of the Department of Homeland Security, and they share information. They share intelligence reports. And we first learned about it with this report from the Missouri Information Analysis Center, also known as the MIAC, uh, that was titled Modern Militia Movement. This is old stuff. I don't even know if a lot of people even know about this. That are because a lot of people woke up, quote unquote, uh, after COVID. But it's like there's been all sorts of crazy stuff going on for quite some time before then. So we have the Mayak Strategic Report. Let me just show this to you guys real quick. Uh, let me see if I can download this. I think let me download this. Go full screen here. Ah, it's a preview. Where can we find this? It's all over Scribd. Here, this will show us the whole thing. All right, so check this out. This, this is just classic textbook stuff. Nothing's changed. It's all the same circumstances going down for quite some time. It's all coming from the Department of Homeland Security. This isn't going to let me download it, but let's just pull this up. Check it out. So this is the document here, Modern Militia Movement, all right? And so this came from this Department of Homeland Security Fusion Center, the Missouri Information Analysis Center. This fusion center was led by the Missouri State Highway Patrol. And so it tells of the modern militia movement. They're against the New World Order and the Zionist-occupied government, and they link up with the militia of Montana. Here's some noteworthy militia activity. Of course, they mentioned the Oklahoma City bombing which itself was a false flag attack. A lot of people don't aren't aware of that one. And after that Oklahoma City bombing, of course, you know the, the thing that they do is this problem, reaction, solution. It's the Hegelian dialectic, uh, thesis, antithesis, which is the opposite of the thesis, and then a synthesis, problem, reaction, solution. So Timothy McVeigh, the ATF, FBI, uh, basically planted bombs, and there was bombs inside of the Oklahoma City the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building. We visited with this guy named VZ Lawson, who was a survivor from the attack, and he heard bombs going off behind him. The floor blew out behind him before the front of the building exploded from the rider truck. But anyway, they helped to make that happen. And then the response was all this anti-terror, anti-militia sentiment in the media. Bill Clinton signed this anti-terrorism act, which birthed the Joint Terrorism Task Force which is basically the predecessor to the Fusion Center. It put FBI local field offices in all sorts of local communities. Now the FBI had its foot in the door in different state and local police operations. It was this JTTF that would track activists. Now, of course, they did some legitimate anti-terror activity, but as we saw, the mission creep, this stuff would spread on to the freedom movement and patriots and constitutionalists and all this stuff, right? So I just digress on the whole Oklahoma City bombing thing, but that's a fact. There's an awesome documentary called A Noble Lie. I highly encourage you to check it out, A Noble Lie. Uh, but anyway, so this report goes on, and here what, here's what was the big 
the big kicker that got a lot of people freaked out. It says some stuff that that militia people are concerned with. Anticipation of economic collapse, the U.S. government, Ammunition Accountability Act, possible constitutional convention, North American Union. I remember that. A lot of that stuff actually happened with Security and Prosperity Partnership. Radio frequency identification. There's fear that government will enforce mass RFID human implement implementation implantations. That's slowly but surely becoming a thing. It's slowly coming into the media where people can make payments with their wrist and all that stuff. Um, so here's some of the trends, sovereign citizen, tax resistance. But here's the real kicker. Militia symbols, the Gadsden flag. And then they go on. Look, if you watch America, Freedom to Fascism or Zeitgeist, the movie. But there's a little section Political paraphernalia. Military members most militia members most commonly associate with third-party political groups. It is not uncommon for militia members to display Constitution Party, Campaign for Liberty, or Libertarian material. These members are usually supporters of former presidential candidate Ron Paul, Chuck Baldwin, and Bob Barr. Wow, oh wow. So this is the Department of Homeland Security. Early on, they were already doing this stuff, so we know that they're already... It, these institutions like the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security are essentially their purpose is to preserve and protect the status quo, to preserve and protect the ruling class, to preserve and protect the prevailing agenda of what many refer to today as the the deep state or the cabal. And we used to call the shadow government is this sinister group of people that don't really change when a new president takes office or a new Congress is elected. It's the players behind the scenes. A lot of times they're involved in secret societies, roundtable groups, Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, Bilderberg Group, Committee of 300, Club of Rome, you name it. There's an agenda to create a totalitarian world government. The most recent iteration of said agenda is the Great Reset which leverages what took place in COVID in order to implement their version of technocracy, surveillance society top down. So it should come as no surprise when we see the Department of Homeland Security, the very institution that was attempting to marginalize patriots and freedom lovers and libertarians, Ron Paul supporters, Constitution Party, Libertarian Party people, militia members, the very institution that was attempting to marginalize these groups preemptively is now playing an active role in censoring the truth, right? And so to go back to this article here, just a little background on the Department of Homeland Security and the role that they've played. Of course, the Transportation Security Administration is now part of the Homeland, Department of Homeland Security, as is uh, the Customs and Border Patrol. It all has to do with this Disinformation Governance Board the work, much of which remains unknown to the American public, came into clear view earlier this year when the Department of Homeland Security announced a new disinformation governance board, a panel designed to police misinformation, false information spread unintentionally, disinformation, false information spread intentionally, and malinformation, factual information shared typically out of context with harmful intent. I mean, I tell you what, if you want to define misinformation, disinfo, especially all the stuff that came out about the shot. I don't even know if you can even say the V word because I'm still on YouTube. Like it's still happening now, all the censorship. Thankfully, the tide seems to be turning on some platforms like Twitter, thanks to old Elon Musk. 
Uh, behind closed doors and through pressure on private platforms, the U.S. government has used its power to try and shape online discourse. According to meeting minutes and other records appended to a file to a lawsuit filed by Missouri Attorney General General Eric Schmidt, a Republican who is also running for Senate, discussions have ranged from the scale and scope of government intervention in online discourse to the mechanics of streamlining takedown requests for false, intentionally misleading information. Apparently, there's a Department of Homeland Security backdoor that they have now that gives them direct access to uh, the social media giants to pull stuff down. Looks like there were some specific stories that they were active on, the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and the efficacy of the COVID-19 shot, racial justice, U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the nature of U.S. support to Ukraine. It's all happening right now. Those are all major issues, major topics that are critically important for public discourse, and they are controlling the narrative. And it's no wonder why so many people are just blindly following. It's because the information, the freedom of information is just not allowed to exist. We're supposed to have this open discourse with one another, conversations taking place at the water cooler, challenging one another's viewpoints and beliefs, but instead it gets controlled and contrived. But I choose to be grateful nonetheless, because I, from my life and my experience, I can see completely that we are winning this information war because the message of freedom, the truth about what's taking place in this world is still getting out in spite of all of this control. So imagine you have one of the most powerful institutions in the existence of mankind, the United States government, a David and Goliath situation going up against we, the people, David, who are just shouting from the rooftops, handing out flyers if we got to do it. I mean, come on. It's absolutely uh, quite the trip. So that's all taking place. But when I talk about anti-fragility, perfect opportunity, perfect example is censorship. Okay, so let's say somebody had a big YouTube channel. My friend Derek Bros actually had a YouTube channel, and I would do some programs on his YouTube channel. In fact, one of his three strikes was from a Kratom uh, show, an episode I did about Kratom. Helps with stress, anxiety, takes the edge off. You can try a free ounce at freeounceofkratom.com, freeounceofkratom.com. And so when it comes to adversity, there's people that have their channels removed or censored. They get kicked off of Twitter and Facebook. And you have two ways you can show up for that, right? You can whine and complain and go back into the woe is me attitude. Or you can say, you know what? I should have never been dependent on this one particular channel in the first place. I'm going to explore the alternative social media platforms and video sharing websites that exist like Odyssey, which we're streaming to. Shout out to the folks watching along on Odyssey, Rockfin, uh, Rumble, all these things. I'm about to get set up so I can broadcast. I broadcast once and it streams out to all these platforms to have a little bit more uh, diversity. Uh, but nonetheless, that's an opportunity to exercise some anti-fragility. So before you were just on one platform, everybody followed you there, right? But then that gets taken down. And now all of a sudden you have to level up. You have to grow because of it. You have to spread your voice. Let And let's keep on keeping on. And let us never forget the importance of one-on-one, -on -one, human to human conversations at the party, at the networking, at the social gathering, hosting a Freedom Cell meetup, spurring the development of community in your particular area, because at the end of the day, there's nothing they can do to censor that. 
There's nothing they could do to censor the one-on-one -on -one connection. And thankfully, thanks to the beauty of blockchain, decentralized database hosting, essentially, instead of having one server where a company can be pressured, a lawsuit can be brought against the company, the law enforcement can come shut down that company and its servers, we can now take information and distribute it across thousands, if not tens of thousands of computer servers. And all that information can be hosted in a decentralized distributed way. That's the epitome of anti-fragility. And in fact, the first time I learned about this concept of anti-fragility, it was when I was studying Bitcoin in the early days. Back in 2012, 2013, I, I heard Bitcoin referenced as anti-fragile. It's like anti-fragile, what does that mean? And it means that as there's attempts to shut down or hack or criminalize the Bitcoin network, it only made the network grow stronger. The ecosystem had to evolve to become more resistant to attacks, to become more resistant to bad actors on the network. The developers had to switch up this and improve that. And it's a beautiful example of anti-fragility. So again, the lesson of the day is for each and every one of us to become anti-fragile in our own lives. The Freedom Cell Network is another great example. Go to freedomcells.org. That's freedomcells.org. We've assembled a group of over 34,000 freedom lovers. They're all working to create greater freedom in their lives. Let me share the link there. You can join the register for free. If you're not part of this community yet, I highly encourage you to check us out. Freedomcells.org. Over 34,310 people participating. Arguably way more than that. That's just the people that are registered there on the website. But I highly encourage you. Uh, to join us. And it's an example of anti-fragility. They're trying to shut people down. They're trying to keep people from meeting, keep people from congregating together. And we instead are expanding our network, expanding our community. So yeah, my friends. All right, now let's cover this other story that I got a hoot out of. Usually I'll have one topic on this uh, show, Live Free Now. If you're just tuning in, I want to thank you for joining us. This is the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. We're going to be streaming live every Tuesday. So you can catch us live on YouTube, Odyssey, Facebook, soon to be a multitude of other different platforms. Or you can catch the podcast audio version, which we upload shortly after our stream ends. But I'm generally going to be doing a spiel, something empowering and inspiring. And But I'm also going to start working in some news articles, cover the news of the day. And uh, I'll be sure to deliver some hard-hitting interviews for you guys as well with some key influencers, activists, entrepreneurs, folks doing really cool stuff in this world. But let's go ahead and cover some news, some of these stories. Like here's something else crazy going on in the world. I can't even, this is just so dumb. So it's an article by a professor, it's the Atlantic, which is like establishment garbage, trying to be edgy, anti-establishment, but really they're about establishment as you get, kind of like NPR, for example. The woman's name is Emily Oster. And now let me just show you some of Emily's tweets here. So here's a tweet from Emily Oster, where she says, strong endorse here, if you're pregnant and unvaccinated, get vaccinated. It will protect you and also pass antibodies to your fetus. This is misinformation right here. This woman is a piece of garbage, actually. Here's another example of her tweets. This Tom Woods dug up from December 2021. Shaming people who haven't gotten vaccinated is not likely to work at this point. What will? 
individual family pressure, maybe vaccine requirements for things you want to do, domestic, air, train, travel, work, sports, events. Yes, we can have these without shame. Can you believe it, ladies and gentlemen? Now, this is the same woman. This is the same woman that just penned this article. Let's declare a pandemic amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. In April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I had made myself. We had a family hand signal, which the person in front would use if someone approached on the trail and we needed to put on our masks. Once when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing. These precautions were totally misguided. Yes, indeed, they were, ma'am. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, we didn't know. Give me a break, lady. How come you didn't know, but we knew from the get-go, right? There was actually a period in the very beginning when I was like, what's going on? I don't know. Not sure. Was washing my hands all the time. But I realized after like I was selling this colloidal silver, I went out and hustled during the actual lockdowns. Like only, uh, what do they call them? Only essential workers can be out in the streets on these times and during the day, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, I'm going to make myself essential. I'm going to go sell colloidal silver-based hand sanitizer to gas stations because there was a hand sanitizer shortage, right? But I would go out to gas stations and like pump gas and then spray my hands. And one day, one too long into it, I realized like, what the hell am I doing? This is actually absolutely ridiculous. I was starting to realize like this is actually part of that whole agenda. I can see exactly how it fits into these plans to create greater totalitarianism, to restrict travel, to implement digital identities. Like this is textbook New World Order plans and plots. How could I fall for it even for a week or two, right? Well, anyway, these folks just kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on beyond that. Even when the evidence, even when folks like Dr. Robert Malone, Peter McCullough were starting to express angst in all of these doctors. Remember the video with those two young uh, doctors sitting down at the table? Uh, that was one of the early ones that got censored. Remember Plandemic? We're not close buddies with Mickey Willis and support their efforts to launch the third version of the Plandemic documentary. Maybe even using that word Plandemic here is going to get us the boot. But that got censored right away. And that was telling the truth from scientific research, right? Ah, All right, let's go on with this stupid article. I've been reflecting on this lack of knowledge thanks to a class I'm co-teaching at Brown University on COVID. We've spent lectures relive, reliving the first year of the pandemic, discussing the many important choices we had to make under conditions of tremendous uncertainty. Some of my choices turned out to be better than others. Take an example to close, to close, take an example close to my own work. There's an emerging consensus that schools in the U.S. were closed for too long. The health risks of in-school spread were relatively low, whereas the cost of students' well-being and educational progress were high. Latest figures of learning of learning loss are alarming. But in spring and summer of 2020, we only had glimpsed glimmers of information. Reasonable people, people who cared about till children and teachers, advocated on both sides of the reopening debate. Here's another example. When the vaccine came out, we lacked definitive data on the relative efficacies of Johnson & Johnson versus the mRNA of Pfizer and Moderna, mRNA vaccines have won out, but at the time, many people in public health were neither neutral or expressed a J&J &J preference, and this stuff wasn't nefarious. It was a result of uncertainty. You know, at the end of the day, when there's so much uncertainty, you shouldn't pressure so heavily 
to violate people's rights and freedom should be the default. I mean, come on, people. So nonetheless, the article goes on uh, in an attempt to ask for forgiveness for being so damn vile through and through it all. Let it be an example for us, right? Like, I think at the end of the day, to bring it back to this concept of anti-fragility, we now are aware of what many people in this world are capable of, many people that we're close with, many friends and even family members. People have shown their true colors of what they are willing to do, how far they are willing to go, the things that they're willing to say. Let us not forget that through these terrible some people say they're misguided policies, but there is an element of conspiracy here at play as well. And you can understand that when you study the Great Reset and the place that these social engineers want civilization to go with stakeholder capitalism, with the fourth industrial revolution, the merging of biology and technology, the metaverse bringing people away from the public square, away from discourse, away from the office space, water cooler into their home behind a computer with the virtual reality, augmented reality headset on. It really goes hand in hand. Now, there were some misguided folks, but there were some people, villainous people like Klaus Schwab, of course. And then there was other greedy people, but there's also conspirators that knew exactly what they were doing. But nonetheless, let us be conscious and aware of what our fellow human beings are now capable of. I mean, perhaps one of the biggest, the, one of the ugliest things that happened with all these pandemic policies was that elderly folks were forced to die alone. The older folks who also were the most vulnerable, but at the end of the day, when somebody is in a retirement home or they're in assisted living or they're in hospice, they're going to be dying anyway. And there's a lot of people who of their own accord would choose to be close to their family members with the, for their line dying their last breath, as opposed to having to look through a window or not see their family members and die in isolation. That's a choice that was taken from people. It's very, very ugly. So when it comes to the anti-fragility, let us be aware of what our fellow human beings are capable of and let us leverage that adversity in order to become better and stronger. Let us hunker down with freedom lovers because in spite of the truth finally being revealed, and it seems like now even intelligentsia and the media are finally coming around to a lot of the mistakes that they made, quote unquote mistakes for the podcast audience because a lot of it was intentional, unlike what the article in the Atlantic would like us to believe. Let us lean in on our community, our tribe of freedom lovers, our tribe of people that are truth seekers, questioning everything, folks that were able to see through the narrative, folks that are ready to decentralize their lives, that are ready to become more self-sufficient, more independent, exiting the smart cities, building community in the country, creating new social organizations built upon decentralization, voluntary human interaction rather than coercion and centralization of power. Let's become anti-fragile through it all. They censor they tear families apart. They 
ruin people's livelihoods. They close small businesses in favor of the large mega corporations. We know their game plan. We know what they are now capable of. So let us abandon their systems and build new systems that will protect us from their treachery in the future because they're not going to give up on their agenda. This is a multi-generational, intergenerational plan that's been carried out with precision for quite some time, but they've awakened a sleeping giant, ladies and gentlemen, and in spite of their efforts to censor you and me, in spite of the Department of Homeland Security coming together with social media and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, we will prevail because the people united will never be defeated, and that is the message I wanna to convey to you today. So to recap, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Live Free Now show, bringing you news, views, and tips tools you can use for a free, prosperous, and healthy life. I invite you to join us, join our email newsletter if you want to get notified whenever we go live. You can go to livefreenow.show, that's livefreenow.show, and subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, or Google. We talked today about anti-fragility. It's this concept when adversity hits, when challenges arise, when there's chaos and disorder, let us adapt in a way that we actually grow and become better not just resilient, which is just maintaining the status quo through adversity, rather let us improve our situation, let us improve our intelligence, let us become more ungovernable as they roll out more treacherous Great Reset plans. I wanna thank you guys for tuning in. Again, you can sign up for the email newsletter. It's linked there uh, for the Live Free Now show. I invite you to join our daily email newsletter with my company, Live Free Academy. You can join us at livefree.academy slash email. That's livefree.academy slash email. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is John Bush. You'll hear from us again on Tuesday. Peace and freedom. I'm out.